Saturday, Saturday, do what you want on Saturday. Watch cartoons, ride your bike, eat whatever the heck you like. Oh yeah, we live for Saturday. Hey there, friends and foes. Good evening, multiverse. This is Thursday night, not Saturday morning. And this is Thursday night fights. I know we normally do Wednesday night bites, but Thursday night fights, because we're going to be getting a little bit in the weeds, and I'm going to be picking some fights about um, Iron Fist, about Madam Web, the Marvels, Echo, and also trying a brand new cereal. We are called Back of the Cereal Box because when I was a kid, Saturday mornings meant big bowls of cereal, cartoons, comic books, kaiju movies, but we didn't have iPhones or tablets at the breakfast table on Saturday morning. So we were reading the back of the cereal box. And this this evening, Thursday night, I'm going to try something brand new. Um, Frosted brand. This is basically raisin brand without the raisins and with Frosted Flakes frosting. Brand new, just like came out this week. And I couldn't wait till Saturday morning to try it. So I'm going to try it with you guys tonight. And uh, we'll revisit it Saturday morning, but I'll give you a more in-depth review tonight than I could on Saturday morning. So uh, I poured it in the bowl. Now, I did try it dry. Um, and by the way, there is no bran in this cereal. It's whole wheat and rice. Kind of plain uh, dry, but we're going to try it um, with some milk. Got the almond milk. And... Um, you know, this uh, this live stream is just for you patrons on Patreon.com. You guys are our Cereal Box super friends. You make this possible. Eli Cash, Phoenix Sisters Cosplay, Sharice Collins, Dave Mattingly, Valerie Davidson, Anthony Sakovich, Day One Comics, George Soroy, Larry Emmett, Elliot Latham, Robert Alsup, and Greg and Crystal Jones. And without you guys, we couldn't do the show we don't deserve your support, but we appreciate it. And um, so this is just you and me tonight. And uh, if you're watching, feel free to comment, post a comment. Um, so here we go. We got Frosted Bran from Kellogg's. Brand new. Hit stores this week. Uh, what's in the bowl? Frosted, Frosted Bran. Here we go. So let's see how this measures up. Hmm. First bite is always the crispiest. You know, this has a very unique texture, very unique flavor. It's not as sweet as frosted flakes. The the frosting is just very, very faint. Just very subtle. Um, but you know what? For an adult cereal, this is pretty good. You know, this is not fun Saturday morning cereal. This is got to get up, go to work, and be an adult cereal. But it's tasty. I can dig this. I'm going to enjoy this more.
Um, really, really rich texture. You know, it's got that whole wheat flavor and just the subtle sweetness. Just, just make it a little bit fun. I kind of like it. Kellogg's does a good job on this stuff. Out of five bowls of cereal, I'm going to give this one a solid four. It's not going to be my first pick. It's not Fruity Pebbles. It's not Frosted Flakes. It's not Captain Crunch. It's not Cinnamon Toast Crunch. But it's pretty darn good. And for an adult cereal, it's going to fit the bill real well. Mm. I want more. I want more than what I just had. Later. Later. All right. So, normally, on these Patreon-exclusive live streams, we'd be talking about new comics. But not this week. And the reason is, Middle Tennessee, where I'm at, Nashville, is under eight inches of snow. The entire city's been shut down. New Comics did not come into the shops today, and the shop that I normally go to is closed. They closed all week. So no New Comics this week, which means Saturday or next Wednesday will be you know, doubly big. Um, depends on when the stores open up again. And, and the way the weather is going right now, it may not be until next week. So we'll have to wait and see. But I promised on our Saturday morning show weeks ago that I would do a review of Josie and the Pussycats. I got the uh, DVD set, and there's actually two discs um, of the entire series. So every week, I'm going to review a different episode. Now, if you don't know, Josie and the Pussycats is an animated television series. It's based on the Archie Comics comic book, the series of the same name. Uh, the comic series was created by Dan DiCarlo. Now, that name should sound familiar to longtime comic book readers. It was produced as an animated series for Saturday morning television by Hanna-Barbera Productions, only 16 episodes. And it aired between 1970 and 1971, when I was only one year old. And then they were rerun during the 1971 and 72 season. So I don't remember ever seeing this, you know, in first run. I have been familiar with it. I've seen clips of it. I knew the theme song, Josie and the Pussycats, long tails and ears for hats. And that's about all I knew about this. I knew that it was um, kind of a riff off of Scooby-Doo, but Josie and the Pussycats featured a teenage all-girl pop band that toured the world with their entourage getting mixed up in strange adventures, spy capers, and mysteries. Sound familiar? Raggy. Um, the group consisted of level-headed lead singer uh, and fiery redhead Josie, intelligent 
tambourine Valerie, Valerie, and airheaded blonde drummer Melody. Other characters included their cowardly manager Alexander Cabot III, played by Casey Kasem. Hey kids, we've got a gig in Bora Bora. And uh, his conniving sister Alexandra, her cat Sebastian, you see him on the cover here, and their muscular roadie Alan, kind of the Fred Jones, but but you know beefier. Uh, the show, of course, similar to Scooby Doo. Where are you? Uh, more similar to that than the original Josie comic book, is remembered for its music, the girls' leopard print leotards, and um. And for featuring Valerie as the first female black character appearing in a Saturday morning cartoon show. Go woke, go broke. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Each episode featured a Josie and the Pussycat song played over a chase scene similar to the monkeys. And it featured the group running after and away from a selection of haplessly villainous characters. So 16 episodes over the next 16 weeks, I'm going to talk about one episode each week. First episode, Tale of the Tape, The Nemo's A No-No Affair. Original air date, air date, September 12th, 1970. And the gang run afoul of a modern day Captain Nemo. And um, he's a modern-day descendant of Captain Nemo. While on their way to a musical gig on Pago Pago or Pago Pago, Pago Pago. Hey, gang, I booked a gig at Pago Pago Island. And uh, it's loosely based on Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. The song is Roadrunner. Now, I couldn't find the production notes on the voice actor who did Nemo, but he's a voice that you recognize um he's played like in monster movies and and you know um i think he did he did the mosh he did the monster mosh captain nemo um you would recognize his voice if you heard him and um you know alexandra thinks she needs to be the leader of the band and she ends up causing them to get captured by Nemo and um, they escape, then they get captured, then they escape. And then, you know, a mindless chase ensues. And here's, here's a theory based on the first episode, Josie and the pussycats either have the, the ability to teleport or shape change because they've been captured. They're on a submarine under the sea. And they step through a doorway, and when they pop back on, they're in their costumes with their instruments doing a concert for Captain Nemo. That can only be explained with them being able to teleport or pull things through a mystical portal or their shape changers. They're superheroes. <laughs> That's my theory. I'm sticking to it. I'll see if that theory holds up in subsequent episodes. Animation, not nearly as good as Scooby-Doo. Most of the Scooby-Doo knockoffs were never the same quality. 
the story and writing subpar to Scooby-Doo is more silly than Scooby-Doo ever was. Um, and that's not saying that Scooby-Doo was like the, the paragon of serious high drama. It was silly, but this gets really silly and impossible, impossible situations. But um, I'm watching it for the first time. So I'm sharing it with you guys for the first time. Josie and the Pussycats. More to come in the next couple of weeks. Now, I also started watching the Filmation Superheroes. Now, I do remember watching this as a child. Um, I'm going to tell you, this is before Hanna-Barbera took over the IP. And a lot of the animators on this at Filmation obviously went over to Hanna-Barbera for the Super Friends. Voice actors are the same. Um, the animation is very simple, but super clean. Really fluid. Um, you know, I want to, I want to say that because it was, you know, the, the art style was very simple, very simple lines, no, no wasted, uh, overworking of the lines, um, an economy of lines as I would describe it. And it made the animation really smooth. They were producing animation in the sixties and seventies that was far superior to what would come later in the mid eighties with like GI Joe and the transformers. And the, the scripts were very straightforward right out of the comic books. Kind of silly, kind of ridiculous, but super fun. Each episode was like three to four minutes. So really fast stories. And um, this is a lot of fun. If you can find this superheroes, the filmation adventures, it's the DC comics superheroes, the filmation adventures. I highly recommend it. This has the first version of the animated teen Titans. So check that out. Um, all right. So let's talk what's going on in pop culture this week. So um, you guys may have seen the news. Everyone's railing, but not everyone, but a lot of people railing about the rumor that the MCU uh, Iron Fist that will be introduced in maybe Daredevil, maybe Shang-Chi 2. We don't know. But the, when they reintroduce Iron Fist to the MCU, that it is going to be a female Iron Fist. And Iron Fist fans are losing their minds. And I'm just like, why? At the end of Iron Fist Season 2 on Netflix, which has now been confirmed as canon through Echo, Iron Fist was a woman. Iron Fist was Colleen Wing. She was the Iron Fist at the end of that series. This should not surprise fans. Um, but they're not necessarily talking about Colleen Wing. They're talking about the first Iron Fist. And in comics, comics canon, the first Iron Fist was a woman. Prehistoric, 1 million BC, a, um, an ousted uh, citizen of Kunlun named Fan Fei. She was the very first Iron Fist and fought along 
side Agamotto, Odin, the first Ghost Rider, the first Black Panther, the first Phoenix. They were the first Avengers, the Avengers BC. And, um, and that's comics canon. But a lot of fans are like, oh, it's not Danny Rand. Danny Rand is the first Iron Fist. No, he's not. He was the first Iron Fist that we met. But canonically, he is not the first. He's one in a long line of the immortal weapons. So I, I just feel like, I, I, you know, it irritates me that comic book fans don't know their fandom. That these neckbeard MCU man babies sitting in their mom's basement crying into the cushions of the flower pattern couch don't know their own fandom. And I've seen other comments from longtime comic book fans. Well, if it's not Danny Rand from 1975, it's not the real Iron Fist. Okay, that's the first one you met. That's not the first Iron Fist. There's more to the story. Grow up and, and get over your insecurity. And, and this drives me crazy. And you guys might be thinking, Johnny, why are you harping on this toxic fandom stuff? Because I can't stand it. I, I can't stand these fans being toxic and vile and just... Tearing everything down. Did we not learn anything from Rose Tico in uh, The Last Jedi? We don't win the war by destroying what we hate. We win the war by saving what we love. And that's what we need to do. And I love Colleen Wing as Iron Fist. Look, I don't, I don't care if it's Danny Rand. I don't care if it's Fan Faye. I don't care if it's Colleen Wing. I am an Iron Fist fan. And I want to see more Iron Fist. Now, this week, Alana Cox, who plays um, Echo, Maya Lopez, Echo, in the Disney Plus series, said the MCU is real. And I, I'm going to agree with her. Yes, Disney and Marvel Studios had, has made a concerted effort to put the emphasis on female characters. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's woke. I don't think it's the MCU. And even if it is, it's a good thing. Because the last couple of projects, I mean, Black Widow, She-Hulk, WandaVision, um, The Marvels, Echo, five of the last several projects have been female-led. And um, Ms. Marvel, I forgot about that, six. So, you know, that's not a bad thing. For 10 years, 12 almost, fans had male-dominated superhero movies. And the Black Widow was the only character in the assemblage of the Avengers um, during the first phase. And then we got Wanda. But, um, but you know, there were no other women. And for a big part of those first couple of phases, the Black Widow was often used as sexual tension. Um, you know, she was used as the, you know, the uh, maiden in distress trope. So they chose 
to during the next phases to put real emphasis on women. And I think that's a good thing for my daughter. I, I love seeing that. I, I think it's important that girls see themselves on the screen and look, you, you middle-aged white guys, maybe these projects aren't for you. Maybe they're not made for you. Brie Larson was right. They're not made for you. So get over yourself. Don't yuck somebody else's yum. Let other people enjoy it. Now, I need to bring up one thing, and that is I I listened. I was driving into work this morning, and I made the mistake of tuning into the talk radio station because I wanted to get some news, traffic reports, and whatnot. And here they are, this conservative news station, which I used to love. I used to love conservative talk radio. But their ignorance of pop culture has really turned me off. And these guys were completely ignorant to Echo. And they were making fun of it because it features a deaf Choctaw Indian hero with a prosthetic leg. Now, for those of you who don't know... Echo is an American Indian character, and she is deaf. She was introduced in the pages of Daredevil as the counterpoint to Daredevil. Daredevil is blind. Maya is deaf. And it was kind of a, you know, a, a compliment and, you know, play off th that trope. Um, she has photographic reflexes in uh, the comics. In the series, she has the abilities of her ancestors that echo through her, but she is very observant of other people. And by watching, she knows how to defeat them. So I think there's still a little bit of that photographic reflexes playing into the, into the equation. But in the comics, Maya Lopez did not have a prosthetic leg, but the actress playing her does. And by the way, the actress playing her is deaf. So, you know, normally, I, I'm not one who thinks that, you know, the people who play those roles have to be the way the character is. It, you know, it's great that they found an actress who looks the part, who is of the nationality, and who ha has the physicality and the ability to play the, and it's just so happens to be deaf, deaf, and you know, uh, speaks in American Sign Language. I can't. This is gibberish. Don't try to interpret me. Thank you. I think, I, yeah, I can do that. Um, but the actress has a prosthetic leg, so they wrote that into the character. So it's not. It's not that the character was checking these boxes for wokeness. Oh, it's all just a bunch of woke garbage. No, no, no. No. Yes, the character is deaf. And yes, the character is a Choctaw Indian. Um, But in comics, the character doesn't have a prosthetic leg. That was just circumstance that the actress did, and they chose to write it into the... Because, quite honestly, if, if they didn't show it, you would never know it. You would never know. It's quite amazing. Um, so it drives me crazy when people are ignorant 
to pop culture. Um, and along those lines, um, I wanted to talk about the upcoming release in February, Madam Web. I was not excited about this movie. I'm still kind of on the fence about whether I think we needed it, whether I think it's a good idea. I mean, you have basically four spider women with no spider man. There is a spider character, Ezekiel, who is from the comics, but no Miles Morales, no Peter Parker, which I think is kind of silly. Um, I have my, the problem with it is the same problem I have with Venom. You know, Venom is not Venom without Peter Parker. So I'm not sure why they chose to make this movie. However, we as a show at Back of the Cereal Box are going to make a commitment to support this movie and help promote it. In direct response to the toxic fanboys who are panning it because they're sick of the MCU and they're sick of wokeness. It's not wokeness. Listen, the only people who use the word woke as a pejorative, as an insult, are people who are racist, misogynistic, and bigoted. They're, they're afraid. Look, I don't know why elevating female characters diminishes you as a man. Are you really that small that you're threatened by superhero? I thought you guys living in your mom's basement were turned on by hot women in tight spandex fighting. I thought that was a thing. And yet you're railing against it, complaining about it, because you want to see uh, muscular men in tights. Oh. Oh. Okay. I get it now. You have your homoerotic fantasies, and you 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 don't want to see those done away with. Okay, okay, that that's a fair that that's a fair complaint. No, it's not. <laughs> but that's what's going on. Either you're threatened by women and you're afraid of them, or you're afraid that they're going to do away with your homoerotic fantasies on screen. That's, I think that's the root of toxic fandom. Um, you have these men, quote-unquote men, who have been shunned by women their entire life because they're weird. They smell. They, they're awkward. They, they don't know how to dress. They, they um, don't know how to groom. And they've been scorned by women, shunned. They're not in the uh, girlfriend club. They're in the friend zone, and they're angry about that. And so they're taking out that anger by objectifying women. In pop culture, in video games, comic books, and cartoons, and, and superhero movies, up until recently, women have been sexual objects. And they still are in comics and video games to a large degree. But women are looked at in pop culture as sexual objects to be 
controlled, to be owned, and to serve male desires and needs. And um, so these men are angry that that is being, quote-unquote, taken away from them. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the deal. And I just discovered, why am I not on Ethernet? I need to be on Ethernet. Why am I not? Huh. I'm on Wi-Fi right now, but I don't need to be on Wi-Fi. I'll have to play with this later. Anyway, um, so that's what's going on. So as as a podcast, we are going to support Madam Web, and um, we're going to help promote it. We're going to go see it. We're going to talk about it on the show and uh, review it on a Wednesday night, Thursday night, a weeknight bites program. So uh, we want to invite you to join us in that that cause. Well, that's been 30 minutes, guys. I've covered everything that I wanted to cover in 30 minutes. Unreal. Unbelievable. So uh, we're going to leave it here. Um, if you like our show, share this video. Share this link from Patreon to two, 300 of your closest friends and family. Tell them to come share the fun and um, become a Patreon supporter so that they can get access to these great exclusives. And uh, that would be a lot of fun. So um, until the next time, we're going to leave you with this awesome theme song. Well, first of all, we got to acknowledge our partners, Comic Books for Kids. Check this out. Comic Books for Kids provides comic books to kids in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. It's a place where we can all work together to make sure every child has a comic book. 100% of all proceeds go towards the kids. It's about making a difference, and while they're in the hospital, allowing them to fly like a superhero, battle dragons, or rescue teddy bears. We are in every state in the country and now support over 160 hospitals. Every month, we add more. Visit cb4k.org. This Saturday, we're going to be talking about the Transformers weekday animated series, so you want to join us for that. Um, we'll be trying some new cereal and uh, showing off some cool new loot prizes from the cereal box. You don't want to miss it. Until the next time, love you, mean it. We'll catch you on the cereal box and take us out, DL Memphis and the Murdering Crows. It's like Coca Cola, Levi.